Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina, from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Welcome and good morning. It is April 29th, and you're listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. I think I'm a little excited to see the weather changing. It looks like it's going to be a little bit warmer this week. It's going to be able to uh, be nice to be able to shed a few jackets while working outside here in the nursery. But spring is on its way. Yes, it's a late one for sure. But, you know, it's been kind of... Uh, a little slow and steady, yes, for sure, but you've got to look at the bright side of things. You can slowly see some of the buds starting to swell on some of the trees a little bit. And with no leaves on the trees, we've been enjoying watching the robins and a few of the chickadees sort of partnering and clustering in a lot of the trees. It makes it easy for the grandchildren to pick out which bird is which. And yes, Oscar loves to see the big black birds because he gives out his traditional ka ka sound, which is so cute. And of course, the rabbits. I thought I had one. Lo and behold, spring is here. We have two. So spring has come to our Canadian province. Yes. And the poem we have. Welcome, our Canadian spring. We welcome thy coming, bright, sunny spring to this snow-clad land of ours. For sunshine and music surround thy steps. Thy pathway is strewn with flowers, and vainly stern winter with brow of gloom, attempted for a while. To check thy coming, he had to bow to the mighty of the sunny smile. A touch of thy wand in our streams and our lakes are freed from his tyrant sway and their clear blue depths in ripples of gold reflect back the sun's bright ray, whilst in it the rude rocks that their waters fret put on mosses green and bright, and silent deep, deep homage render up now, sweet spring to thy magic might. And what of words could tell half the wondrous change Thou makest in our forest bowers, replacing the snow with soft velvet sward, cold crystals with glowing flowers, clothing the leafless unsightly trees in rich garb of satin sheen, and robing the meadows and the woodlands wide in thine own soft tender green. And the insect life that thy warms thy breath wakes, now people earth and air, and the caroling birds have come back to dwell in the charms of thy present fair. Need we wonder all hearts with joyous beat? Watch the changes thou dost bring, and with smiles of gladness welcome thee to our land, bright, sunny spring. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. The lines are open, one 800 374-3315. Are you enjoying the cluster of birds and the robins out there? I think our backyard tree had probably six robins in it the other day. They look so puffed up and a little bit cold, yes. But 
Have you started sort of subsidizing some of their food, getting some suet blocks for them or fe- putting some extra feed out for the birds? They've come a long way, so it's a little bit that we can do to share a little bit and ha- make them uh, a little bit more welcome on the return of their long flights coming back. And yes, there's more and more geese that are around here. And just be a little cautious, a little story, getting out of my truck this week. Lo and behold, the a little bale of straw was left behind, and I don't think they liked that I got too close to them, as the Mr. Little Goose was giving me a fair warning. So they could be a little nasty, so keep your space away from those birds. Anyway, I like to hear what's up, what's happening. How is your seeding going? Are you transplanting? Okay, I'm going to give you a little advice. Did you go down to the basement and pull out the calla lilies and the caladium bulbs and the dahlia bulbs? Or are they still rested nicely in that peat moss downstairs? It's time to take action and get them growing. Let's put them in some soil and watch them waken up from a long winter's rest. Yes, it's time to grow. A lot of us have been growing for a fair bit of time. So take a look at your seedlings. And you may still be holding them in their smaller cells. It's a good time to get some extra fans on them to start to strengthen them. And the fan also will give you the perfect opportunity for the soil to dry out a little bit faster because dampening off or overwatering your seedlings at a younger stage can be a little disheartening if they start to sort of uh, get lost one by one by one. So you want to take care of them. They're growing wonderfully for you. So a little bit of extra care is perfect for it. Now, there's a couple things I wanted to mention. Um, Perennial plant of the year. Remember, in our gardening world, there is usually a selection of a plant that's out there. And this is where we start getting into the different categories of trees, shrubs, tropicals. But within the perennial plant combination... There's always a little bit of a tease of the year that they come up with one plant that they feel is worth mentioning and encouraging it because it brings back memories of going out to the farm and watching and driving through uh, the countryside and seeing a lot of the black-eyed Susans just wildly growing in the ditches. So this year, there's a new cultivar that's on there. Not maybe new, just a lot of people. But it's worth mentioning with the Perennial Plant of the Year Association, mentioning that Rudebeckia Gold American Gold Rush is the Perennial Plant of the Year. So you're going to be looking for these fun, cheery, black-eyed daisies that are in there. And so pretty because a punch of yellow in a garden just accentuates, I feel, every other color. It's like that chartreuse green acts in the color plate. If you look at someone that has done some painting, pop out that chartreuse yellow or chartreuse yellowy green or even yellow. And everything seems to darken up a bit. Yellow is the sunshine. Yellow is cheery. So it definitely adds to it. So for a long, dazzling color in the summer, right up to your deep frosts, the rutabecchia is going to be a, a sort of what we call a workhorse in the garden. They're sustainably great for it. They could take a little bit of that drought. I can say drought now. We're going to back up here because we can say drought, but 
that's once it's established. And this is a key portion of it too, because when we plant or put our first crops in, even though they're perennials in their tr- trees and shrubs, we have to look after them. We have to make sure that the roots get established for perennials and all our shrubs and everything to sustain life. If you plant it and walk away, chances are in the first year, it's going to struggle. So take care of it because once it's established, wow, the effect that you're going to get from a lot of these is going to be worth the reward. So going back to our Rutabacchia Gold Rush, American Gold Rush, they have beautiful three-inch flowers on a very sort of compactish type plant because some Rutabacchias I know can go quite tall. This one, well, maybe about two feet, give or little, that's on there. And if you've given it at full maturity, you'll probably get a span or a nice beautiful cluster about 30 to 40 inches in stem or width of the plant so make sure you give it space too to grow so it grows to maturity and can give you the best of what it could be the green sort of the stems just remember the rudy family that's in there it's kind of interesting because they're kind of that fuzzy textured stemming and on some days the foliage itself will kind of have a little bit of a fuzzy brittly almost sandpaper type texture when you're running your hands over it so how tactile is that that you can actually feel that it's sensory which is really kind of cool and of course when fall does come i don't want to talk about too much of that because we haven't had seen spring yet the petals of your rutabecchia will fall off and you have these dancing little black eyed heads that are left in the garden for winter interest okay goodbye winter now listen when you're pairing some of your plants and this is where we kind of tickle our fingers when we're going through the perennial department there's so many different plants that you can pair up with rutabacchias, the perennial plant of the year. And with the perennial plant of the year, we also there's a little preempt here because we talked about the birds and feeding the birds. But a lot of the plants that we grow in the perennial category are nutritious to the birds. So that beautiful black-eyed Susan that we're in there that we keep up over the winter there may be still still some reminiscent heads of those plants in your garden that are a supply source of food for some of the birds. So maybe it is one of the last ones that you maybe want to cut down until other foods are available for the birds. Give them a little bit of generosity. It's good for them to have that. Or if you cut them back last year, maybe you've started to venture and sort of walk along the side of the garden and see things poking up because that's what perennials do. They start growing once things get a little bit warmer outside. And isn't it amazing? It doesn't have to be terribly warm because we already see the emergence of a lot of the perennials that are growing in our garden, right? Have you walked out there? What's happening? What's growing? Like to hear from you. Now with the perennial of the year, Rutabecchia Gold Rush. Just remember, it's partnering it. It's looking at the landscape of how you want to design your yard and see what blooms with it. In some previous uh, shows, we've talked about maybe getting the seasonality of color for spring, summer, and fall, and transitioning so you have these colors popping. Because you don't want to plant everything that has spring flowers. Because then your garden's going to be all green, though that is very pretty too. 
I'm a flower girl. I love the flowers, so I like seeing pops of color coming and going and changing. Maybe it's because I like the change of the seasons, too. So if you're liking different things to combine with your rutabecchias, you could even put in some early blooming alliums. And yes, sorry, if if you think you're going to come now, I'm sorry, I should have mentioned that one, because <laughs> if you think you want to come and plant some alliums, you'll have to look in the perennial department because the bulbs go in the ground in the fall. So if you missed planting your fall bulbs, bulbs of the, your alliums and the bulb set forms, mark your calendars right now, right? You have your garden journal steady there. Maybe you're putting a few notes from the lawn garden journal in there too as well. Go visit my garden center. This is what you're writing in your journal. Go visit my garden center late August, early September. Watch for allium bulbs if you're wanting to plant some in. So they look beautiful planted beside your rutabacchias. I love, love asters. Right now, you're probably, if you're popping by, you're probably going to see me hauling a few carts of asters in because I think I ordered way too many asters because they just look so good in the garden. And the color combinations from the pinks to the purples to sometimes even some blue tones, just pop it with that yellow. They give it that intensity of color that's there. And of course, one of my favorite ones that was a past perennial of the year was um, the Peroskiva, if I say it right. All right, tomato, tomato. And it's also called the Russian sage. It's a beautiful silver foliage, very vertical in growth with a relaxed, candel- candel- not straight up, candelabra. So it's a nice little vertical candelabra with, with the arms coming out with beautiful, soft, blue, lavender spires of foliage and flowers that come off it. And the scent is really pretty too. All right, so pair it up. If you're looking for some new perennials, venture to your new garden center. It's a perfect time to get out there, see what there is, because different perennials show their blooms at different times. And I will say that if you're out there looking at some of the uh, plants that are in your markets that that you're venturing to, they've been growing in your centers for a bit of time now. So if you see it in bloom now, Make sure you read up on that because it may be blooming at a different time frame in your garden. Some of our phloxes right now are in bloom at the garden center right now. They've been beautiful. They help to color up some of the tables. And oh, that papa fuchsia that you should see is beautiful. But if it was growing naturally outdoors, you would probably see this end of May, early June, depending on the weather. So you have to time your blooming, and this is part of a discussion we had before. So perennials are are easy, are they? They do take care, and the timing of your perennials is going to depict on the weather. It's going to depict on where you place those perennials to. This is a whole conversation on perennials, I'm telling you. There's so much to know. And if you say that full sun, uh, full sun perennials, okay, Perennials, shade, part shade, part sun, full sun. Oh my, it could be so confusing. If you're thinking of a full sun perennial, six hours of sunlight combined. But you have to remember, this is where we talked in our last little one about the landscape, creating your own landscape and maybe drawing your own little landscape plan, studying which direction the sun is, which time of day you get the most heat. And how much sun do you get in each area of your gardens? This is going to depict 
which kind of plants that you favor and where you put it in. That's just the sun category. That's not even the the drainage or where I get the moisture running off my house. That's another part of the conversation because you don't want to plant something in full sun that is in a low-lying area that is constantly wet. But if you do, come see us. We will tell you the correct perennial that can take soggy feet and grow in those conditions. So it's knowing thy plant, knowing where to place it, and you will have the best-looking garden going. All right? Now, if you want to give me a shout on perennials, landscaping, this is the time that we are pre-planning, getting things going, starting things. Yes, we're growing because our seed trays are in there and I have visions of many dining room tables that are filled up by a lot of plants right now because the eagerness is to get it outdoors. Another little plant that I want to mention, I'm just trying to try and go through here. One of the plants in a different category, I'm taking you from each department now. There's one here that I has been kind of playing some fun on me when I keep walking by it. It's a little unusual and it's in an older category that I used to seed years ago and it kind of fell out of favor but now this one's kind of pretty. It is called Trafola Pink Gumfrina. It's very airy. It's got little playful explosions of blossoms that kind of radiate outward from the stemming. It blooms all season. And the benefit of this is if you love doing bouquets and doing cut flowers for inside your house or drying flowers, this is for you. So it adds to that airiness of containers too as well. So you know when a lot of the books and magazines, they call them, some areas call them spillers, fillers, and thrillers. Well, this would be sort of a little bit of a thriller that's in there, I think, because it's not the mainstay. It does not have the heaviness of maybe petunias or your ivy geraniums that cascade over the sides of the pot. This is going to be that playful, profuse bloom that sort of pops over everything else. And... They're delicate. They're dainty. It's almost like that gypsophilia feel that you have. And it can be used in a hanging basket. And it can also be used in the garden or in a container pot. And guaranteed, if you try something like this because of the whimsical habit that it has, it's got that airy structure. When somebody walks by, it's going to be, what is that? And you're going to say, that's a gumfrina. So I hope when you visit your garden center, go to the garden centers and find out and say, hey, do you have Gumfrina? I'd like to see it. Or, of course, you can get online, and I'm sure you're going to be seeing lots of pictures of it that are out there. Now, as we go through, that's also the uh, time where I'm going through some of my notes here because there's some key things. Oh, I have a big, big star beside something that's here, and it's important. And a couple people have called me and said, is it too late to ban my trees? Okay, the big star is, if your band is still up from before, do some reapplication of paste because our season has been delayed. We are late. So get some new paste that's on there. If you have not banded for the canker worms, uh, it's maybe time to do a little bit of a trip. Get some banding and put some sticky paste on there to prevent it because those nasty little critters that crawl up into our trees, they cause a little bit of a detriment. And over time, if you have a repeated action of uh, stress on a tree, it will play its factor. So it's a little bit of our care that we can do to prevent the damage. 
So get out that sticky paste. It's a good afternoon to be able to put on a little bit of a heavier sweater, take a jaunt in the garden, see what's happening, look for the rabbit tracks, check and see if you have vole damage. There's a lot to discuss. The line is open, 1-800-374-3315. I just sent a little message here to Parker and said, where is everybody? I hope you're enjoying some of the conversation or some of the information that I'm giving you, but I'd love to hear from you. If you have any question, give me a shout. I hope uh, too. Good morning, Mum. She's always tuning in and listening to the show, so I hope she's enjoying it too. Having her questions, I know that she was eagerly out in the yard, and I think uh, she gave me a little mention that some of her plants are starting to poke their little noses out of the ground. I know ours too in the sunny location. Of course, the hardiness of hardiness of my sort of chive section is growing up all flattened over the old foliage so I know that quickly I'm going to do a little bit of gently pulling on the old brown foliage that's on there to reawaken some of those chives fresh chives Mm. I can taste it I can see it can you taste and have that sensory of fresh tomatoes I know you're thinking about it because it's gonna be it's gonna be happening all right Now, if we're wakening up some of our plants, we talked about getting the tree band and the banding going on there. And I must say, as I take a peek out, it's been sort of our nursery stock has been arriving and we've been uncovering some of our uh, stuff that we've overwintered ourselves here. It's the perfect time that when you are looking and trying to band that you see damages that are out there. If you have uh, damage to your trees, you might want to assess how much damage has been done. If it's girdling around the tree, you're going to see that possibly you're going to have uh, the leaves still opening and waking on that. And it depends on the degree of the depth, either that the deer have scraped on the bark or the voles have eaten or the rabbits have eaten on those apple trees, crab apples or ornamentals. It's not this year that you, you will see the demise of that tree if it was affected strongly. It will probably be the second year. But take action now. Take a look at it. Without the leaves, you can see where injuries are. You can see where the assessment of where maybe some cross-branching for some light pruning to do. And enjoy the shape and the style and the twist and the turn and the textures of the tree's bark. Because it is beauty that's sometimes missed. We're going to go right back to the line. Judy is waiting. Hi. Good morning, Judy. Good morning. I hear you're lonesome this morning. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, sometimes it's, yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, I am. Uh, you know, I, I sometimes mention to Parker, I go, I get so excited to go, yes, we're going to have callers today. And then it, if the lines are quiet, I'm like, I feel like getting a little, next time I'm getting a little bell and I'm going to go, ding. Okay, call now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I did try to call a couple of weeks ago and then uh, didn't get through. But anyway, so I have an African violet. Okay. Um, and it was in, um, on shelving, sort of in a south window. And there's other ones there as well. Um, and its outer leaves, the outer ring of leaves, all turned creamy. Now, they don't have the streaks in them like they would if it was, you know, lack of iron or chlorosis or whatever. Just totally creamy. And I just took a picture of it, but when I heard the lines were open, I thought, okay, I I won't 
send that. I'll just call. Yeah, and so I don't know what caused that. I've taken it out of that window. I don't know if it would have been, you know, too much sun as as the sun gets stronger in the spring because it's been there since last fall. Another one is there. It is still all green, but it wasn't right, you know, as close to the window as maybe this one was. Yeah. And the same, almost the same thing happened to a geranium that I had cut, you know, taken a slip from. And it does show the leaves turned creamy, the bigger leaves turned creamy as they were coming out, I guess. They do have this streaking in them or, the, you know, the veins showing. Um, and it was just in water at that time. So I've planted it up. It has some new le- green leaves coming out, and, and it has a nice big bloom on it. But the African violet, I don't know why those leaves would have all turned just pure creamy colored. Okay, we, um, I've sometimes, I've seen this happen before, and sometimes what nature gives us, sometimes I think it's beautiful when it's all green, but I used to see it before in some plants, and I'd go, wow, is this something new? Because a lot of the times you like to see the very variegation in plants, and it sometimes is affected, and it's in the leaf structure itself, it's not like powdery mildew or a disease, right, that's on it? Okay, no, 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 it's just, I mean, it looks like a nice, normal leaf. It's, you know, the same fuzzy texture as the rest, but they're just a creamy color, and and then the center of it is green, green, and it's also blooming, which my African violets don't always bloom, but... Well, sometimes we'll get it, and sometimes uh, African violets like consistent temperatures, and sometimes if you get a different temperature set, sometimes that can cause things to happen. And temperature is one of those things that you will either cause a set of a different change in blooming patterns or it could change sometimes something that just makes a tick in a plant to make it change slightly that's on it. But white, the variegation, I'm going to have to look that up because I'm, that's the only thing that I can kind of think of that would cause that that there might be something genetically that's in there that causes that twist of that color to go. Sometimes it's also to a lacking of nutrient that could cause Yeah, I wondered well. about that, um, and I did fertilize them a couple of weeks ago or whatever. I sort of gave everybody a, a little general are, dose of fertilizer. Are you using like a Schultz fertilizer yeah, yeah, that's on there? Yeah. Okay. It's, I find Schultz, it's okay. It's got the lower ratio numbers that are on through it. Maybe if you wanted to sort of green it up a little bit that's on there, maybe um, using a little bit of um, iron is actually, a chelated iron is a little good thing to use. If you mix up a little tiny, very little base of it, um, follow the dilution of it. And I like watering African violets from the bottom, not from the yes, top water. Yes, I always do that. They sit in the saucer and soak up water kind of thing until I feel the soil is damp on the top. And actually, it. Wasn't it's not the little drop one because I ran out of that, so yeah. I didn't use that. I used a, a granular one, okay. um, and it would have been actually Schmidt fifteen thirty fifteen is what I would have mixed up for them. Okay, that's that's fine because sometimes if um, also to some of the staining and some of the leaf change color tones that's on the African violets could be affected by watering on the leaves too as well. I see this when. Um, 
we have when we have new helpers, they like to water my streptocarpella on the uh, top of it until I go. No, please don't do that. Water from the bottom because they have that foliage, fuzzy leaf texture that's on it, and they really don't like water sitting on their leaves. You want them to be able to have, um, you know, wick things up from the bottom, especially if you have gloxinias and African violets and your streptocarpella because sometimes that white patterning can be from residual of water sometimes on the leaves too. And, and this isn't even a white pattern and it's not white on the edge. It is a total, a complete leaf that is creamy. And I mean, it's a whole ring around the whole base of the plant. Yeah, I've, I've seen it before. It <laughs> almost looks, if, if everyone knows what a variegated pothos plant or devil's ivy looks like, it looks like that, right? But like so you have my pothos are streaky, leaves. and this isn't streaky at all. It's not? It's just not around the streaky. Outside. It's the whole leaf, one color. Okay, I want you to send me that picture, okay. and I'm going to see what I can do. Because <laughs> now you've picked my curiosity, and I want to see this African violet. And it's, uh, yeah, it's weird, because I have about six others, um, and one has sort of uh, a little bit colored leaves on the outside, but it was sort of like that in the store. And it, um, but it's not totally creamy like this. All right, I'm, I've taken the picture, so I will get busy and send it. Now, yeah. another question about African sure. house. I have another one here that was loaded with blooms on the top. They have died off really quickly. How long should the blooms last on an African violet? Is it because I'm only watering once a week? Are they getting too dry in between? Any thoughts on why these were lovely blooms last week and now look mostly dried up. Okay. Well, when things are in bloom, we really don't want them to go too dry in between. Okay? Okay. And if we're bottom watering on yeah. some plants, I know even here we'll bottom water on it, and sometimes the very top of the soil, if we shorten our watering, doesn't get the moisture wicked all the way to the top. I so, try to do it so that, uh, you know, I, I keep adding at the bottom until yeah. I feel the soil is damp on the top. Yeah. Yeah, and in most cases, if it's a if it's a new plant purchase, sometimes the roots aren't fully developed when you get it from a crop finished all the way to the bottom of the pot. So we got to make sure that the energy of that capillary action of the roots draws that water all the way to the top. So if you're losing your blooms quick, it's probably not got enough moisture in it because if they a plant dries out fast, even if it's open, because your blooms on an African violet should last a fairly long time. Like okay. a couple weeks or longer then? Oh, no, no, not a couple. Like, I would say seven to ten days okay. for sure. Because okay. if you notice that it's not one single flower, it's kind of like a, a series of other ones that open up and go underneath it, right? Right. Yeah, so some of them will start leading, but the other ones behind them will slowly open up. Open up, yeah. Okay. okay. It's likely been blooming nicely for a week or two, so I guess I can't complain. You know what? <laughs> Let's just take the power of that flower and enjoy it when we can. <laughs> All right. And it, it, it's not a new plant by any means. You know, it's likely, I've likely had it three or four years. I don't know how long I've had this one, but. Okay. All right. I will send you a picture and you can see what you might find out about yeah. white-leaved For sure. violets. Or you might have a really new cultivar out there that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I never don't know. Like tasty African violets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All okay. right. Thank you so much. All right. And thank you for the giggles. All Bye. right. Bye-bye, Judy. It is interesting because there are certain things, and sometimes out there, we will get plants, and all of a sudden, it, if it's an imbalance in uh, some food, or if it's an imbalance that is caused by 
uh, bugs or disease, but there are. And you could probably go and look and see there might be a strain or a reversion of something that's affecting that. So that's really interesting. I think that's kind of cool that's on there. So assessing your plants and looking at them. And of course, if you need help and if we can't get the right answer for you, we're going to try and find out because that's what gardeners do. We share our stories. We love the stories. And there's someone else that probably has it, but I'd say if it's the older leaves, Judy, for sure, and your new leaves are coming green, then it's probably not going to keep going. And as we know, some of the larger outer leaves kind of get uh, out of shape and or out that they're going to probably be the first ones that are gone eventually that are on there that we're going to be taking little snippets of it off just to reshape in those African violets. But it's a very good interest to hear that it's happening. All right. Now, when we were talking and I uh, gave a call to tree banding and taking a look at some of the stemming, it is interesting to take a look at the early crops when you're out at your garden centers, taking a look at the stem colors, because there is a difference. Um, I did have a customer coming in saying they want something really, really interesting. And right now with the cooler temperatures, what really stands out is, I know it's a dogwood, it's a plain Jane dogwood, but the red stemming of our a dogwood is so beautiful or even the golden stem dogwoods is beautiful and you don't see that unless it's like early spring or late fall but there is one that is beautiful that has bark and if you're looking at it of course birch trees dad always had birch trees at the property and the white birch is just beautiful but if you're looking for something that has a little bit of a pop that's in there golden bark almost like copper true copper color is the Amir Ming that's in there or if you're looking for something that's on it it has a beautiful color that's to it so you might want to venture and take a look at some new trees now if you're looking at trees things are going to start to pop and when I say pop the buds are going to start to see uh, start to swell and you're going to see it on the trees sometimes it happens so fast that you miss it but there are some trees that are, or shrubs that I can say, and that are worth noting. And you want to see them when they start emerging. And it's probably one of my favorites is a forsythia, right? You're going to go, what is a forsythia? Well, if you're looking at forsythias, some of them can go quite tall. Some can grow, you know, six feet tall that's in here. And forsythia have a habit of flowering first it's not like our usual trees that you get this beautiful opening of green and then you get your blossoms like your cherry trees this flowers first and the intensity maybe because I like the yellow like our rutabacchia it has this deep deep punch of forsythia yellow blossoms that cluster all the way up the stemming of the plant and it is truly gorgeous And it's one of those ones that if you're driving around the neighborhood and all of a sudden you see this huge cluster stand, a bright yellow, you're going to go, what is that? Because we do get that question. People will come in and say, I saw this beautiful shrub and it's yellow and has no leaves. It is a forsythia. Intensely beautiful. Now, the other one that is in there that I think is in the same category, and I hope I'm not giving you the wrong information, flowering almond. And flowering almond is just equally as beautiful, but it has that sort of whitish pinkish tone to it. 
totally romantic, totally pretty. And the forsythia blossoms, if you love them, you can do a little bit of a snippets of some of those branches, put it in a beautiful vase, and it makes a beautiful bouquet. Think about it. How do I landscape my yard to get the benefit of everything that I want? You're going to make a key list, right? Garden journal. Here we go. What do I want? What colors do I love? What colors do I not like? There's your list. Thank you for listening, everyone. The sun is trying to peek out. And just remember, on your walkabout, stay off a wet lawn, stay off of a wet garden. But you can assess what's going to be happening soon. Yes, you'll be raking soon enough. With that, we'll be back next weekend on the Lawn Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.